everybody. Welcome to the OETA Movie Club podcast. My name is Jeff Mareva. I'm the director of the show, and I'm here with our great host, Mr. Robert Birch. How are you doing, Jeff? Doing pretty good today. How are you doing? Not too bad. Good. Just enjoying good, some good, of this good. fine movie club popcorn. Yeah, we got. We just popped a fresh batch. We're kind of um, snacking in between uh, <laughs> takes here. But um, so uh, this is the OETA Movie Club. It airs on OETA every Saturday night at nine. Mm-hmm. And uh, we show great um, classic and some modern classic movies now, too. And uh, yeah. the one we've got for this week is a great one, In the Heat of the Night. Yeah, this is a true classic. This is a true classic. And, um, I don't know, made me a little upset watching it because I'm just reminded so much of terrible history of this country. Well, yeah. Yeah, this is a different time in the mid-60s. It, it was. Right? It was. Of course, this right. is such an iconic film. I'm, you know, there's the long-running TV series. Yes, with Carol O'Connor. Yep. Uh, in this, and I think they, you know, I wasn't a fan of that TV series, but uh, I, I'm guessing that they carried on the same. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, racial same tensions themes, in yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so set this movie up for anybody, everybody who hasn't seen it. Uh, Sidney Poitier is a detective with the Philadelphia Police Department, and he is in Mississippi and is accused of a murder there. Yeah. But once they, you know, figure that out, then he ends up, um, that he's, he's not the murderer, he ends up trying to help solve. Solve it. The and this is, this is Mississippi in the mid-60s. 1966. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not the greatest race, race relationship. Not the greatest. Not the greatest. Yeah. That's, that's a, a very nice way to put it. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's for me, mm-hmm. it's pretty disgusting watching some of it. But yeah, I, know, I, mean, I know that's how it was at the time. I, I know it's uh-huh. portrayed accurately and everything. I just, I still can't wrap my head around that sometimes. You well, know, it's that, to the point in this, uh, you know, it tells you to really, you know, paint the picture here. Um, they didn't. They they couldn't shoot it in Mississippi. Right, they had to shoot they in Illinois. Shoot. Yeah, yeah, in a in a town that they uh, called Sparta, Illinois. Yeah. Right, uh, that's not the name of the town in the book or in the original script, but they changed the name uh, so that they wouldn't have to change all the signs. In, right, in Sparta, Illinois. Yeah, yeah, um, and they did have to shoot a scene or two at a cotton plantation. In Tennessee, Tennessee, yeah, and uh, yeah, they got some threats from some thugs. I mean, just crossing a line, you know, right. just crossing a line into Tennessee, and they uh, ended up having to retreat back to Illinois. Um, yeah, Sidney Poitier insisted that this movie be filmed somewhere in the north because of an incident where he and Harry Belafonte were almost killed by Ku Klux wow. members, Ku Klux Klan? Klansmen, yeah. and. Um, while they were shooting in or visiting Mississippi, uh-huh. so he was like, "No, I'm not doing yeah, this." Yeah, I'm not going there again. I don't blame him. Yeah. Um, well, he slept with a gun. I was going to say when they, went, when they when the, they were the, shooting in Tennessee, when they did that Tennessee shoot. Yeah, he mm-hmm. slept with a gun under his pillow, and it's just so sad that you have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and who would hurt Sidney Poitier and Harry Belafonte? You know, but know. okay, but yeah, that's just. Unfortunately, the world that was yeah. existing at the time. And, you know, it was set in the summer. It's supposed to be really hot. Right. Uh, in Mississippi. Mississippi and, would be uh, miserable in the summer. And yeah. they were really uh, shooting in Illinois in the fall. Right. So, like all the night scenes, they had to put ice in their mouths so that uh, their breath wouldn't yep. show up. 
Yeah. Um, you know, it's supposed to be hot. Yep. So no breath, you know. But Which uh, I remember when I first learned that trick, I was like, oh, that's hmm. so cool. <laughs> I don't know if I want to drink something cold, though, you know, or have ice in my mouth. Have you know, when I'm, you know, it's freezing. cold outside. But, uh, but it's cool to know that that's, that's how they do it. Yeah. Um, we shot a, oh, uh, my, my one little story here uh, uh, for the movie Stillwater, right, yeah. with Matt Damon. They shot a scene uh, here in Oklahoma City. Uh, it's like the scene where the girl comes back from um, France, or is it Italy? It's France. And, um, uh, you know, it's a big reception. And it's supposed to be in the summertime in this airplane hangar. And we were out at the FAA Center, and it was cold <laughs> that day, very cold in that <laughs> hangar. And, uh, you know, in between takes, they would pass out um, uh, blankets and jackets and stuff. Right. And we had those those little warmer, those chemical warmer oh, things yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, that's uh, funny. But then, hey, when it was time to to shoot, they'd come around, pull those blankets, <laughs> uh, give me the coat, and yep. you know, you're standing there in shirt sleeves and just <laughs> your teeth are chattering. Um, that's so funny. Um, so I thought it was really this was a really fun statistic that I that I learned reading about this movie was um, Rod Steiger um, didn't his character Norman Jewison wanted him to chew gum, uh-huh. which he did not want to do, but eventually <laughs> fell in love with the idea uh-huh. and went through and I don't know how they kept track of this yeah but he went through two hundred and sixty three packs of gum. <laughs> Somebody had to somebody had to buy them to get those packs of gum yep. for him and two hundred and sixty three packs of gum. That's insane. <laughs> well, it no, doesn't um, say what kind of gum it was, but uh, yeah, you know, well maybe Wrigley Spearmint. I was going to say sixty seven. It would have been Beeman's. Yeah, Beeman's. <laughs> <laughs> Back then. Uh, now uh, Norman Jewison had uh, another uh, idea. You know, he's I guess full of ideas for for Rod Steiger uh, that he you know, maybe base his character on what was at the time a popular series of uh, ads, uh, the the Dodge Sheriff. Yeah. And you're probably, you don't remember I'm too young. I had to look it up. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I looked it up myself again too. (laughs) And, and, but I, I remembered it from, you know, uh, you know, he's real, um, not exactly boss hog, but you know, he's, uh, like the sheriff that's in the Bond um, films. Uh, what was it? Oh, to live, yeah. and, uh, live and Let Die? Yes, I know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. I can't think uh, of the name. But. And the Dodge Sheriff's uh, big um, big line was, you're in a heap of trouble, boy. <laughs> you know, which you probably wouldn't want to use in this context, you know. No. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he uh, Rod Steiger in, ended up using it, uh, but, like, pulling all of the comedic elements out of it, you know the you know keeping the the seriousness of yeah. that character. Yeah, yeah, which you know pokes a little fun, which is probably deserved. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I, I I had to look it up, and it's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trying to think of a nice way to put it. It's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. Steiger also uh, would only speak. He's like maybe a method guy. Probably not a method, but he would. It's easier for him. It's like Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, 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 Steiger would only speak in a southern accent. Right. The whole time, the whole time. Uh, filming on this. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've actually done that before, and I'm nowhere near a method actor, but I had to do a British accent in, uh-huh. in high school. Oh, And I yeah? remember just like for like 
pretty much as soon as school was over until the time rehearsal was over, I spoke in a British accent. I didn't care if I was backstage. <laughs> I didn't care if I was in the audience taking notes. Uh-huh. It was British all the time. Um, it's easy to get in that. It yeah. is, yeah. Um, so I thought it was really interesting that this was one of the first, or was the first, major Hollywood film that was lit with proper consideration for black actors. Now you you do this quite a I bit. I do this you, quite you a bit. Do, light, do lighting here at OET. Yeah. So I've always thought it was interesting because um, they would Haskell Wexler, who is no relation to B.J. Wexler. Okay. I'm sure. We just want to make um, sure we, we just want. I say think. That. I yeah. think. <laughs> I don't think. Could I don't be. Know. Could be. You never yeah. know. Um, but anyway, he was he was one of the most famous lighting designers of that era of uh-huh. that era, and um, but he he recognized that the standard lighting they used for most films. Um, produced too much of a glare on black actors. Uh-huh. And so he toned it down and, and redid the lighting. And after that, that was kind of became the standard. Right. So that's his lighting has become the standard for black actors. And there was very little thought. You know, they had done, well, this is 1966. And yeah. they had been doing films for over 60 years. Right. And no one had ever thought of, of lighting differently. Right or doing makeup, you know, or doing makeup, makeup was, differently. Yeah. Uh, makeup was all the same for for black actors. Oh yeah, uh, you know it was not to them. It was the same, but right. uh, the um, the studios all felt they they never made any special effort to come up with a uh, special makeup for black actors. Yeah, um, you know until the sixties. Yeah, um, we were saying that this was shot mostly in sixty six. Came out in sixty seven. I didn't know until researching for this that three of his most iconic, Sidney Poitier's most iconic movies all came out in 67. Uh-huh. This one, To Sir With Love, and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Wow. All three. Like, how do you make all three of those movies in 66, 67? That's insane. Well, how do you make three movies oh, I mean, in one year? In one year. And then, you know, to have them be iconic films. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. Two stinkers and a good one. It was right. three greats. Yeah. Yeah. No Beastmaster 3 or, <laughs> you know, right. snakes on a plane. Snakes on a plane. <laughs> oh, God bless. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, that's impressive to me. That is yeah. that is super impressive to me. Well, um, he, throughout his career, he was very selective about what he would do. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at, at his um, you know, IMDb page, there's, there's, yeah, there's very little of just, hey, I did it for the check. Right. Whereas there's a lot of actors, a lot of truly great actors that, oh, yeah. you know, are in some pretty bad films. Yeah. Uh, Michael Caine is in Jaws 3. Right. You know. Uh, <laughs> what? Jaws 3 is a classic. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first movie I ever saw in 3D, man. Charlton Heston is in <laughs> Wayne's World 2. Right. And I love Wayne's World. I'm just going <laughs> to. I'm sorry. Oh man, we had a great reference for that again. last week, uh-huh. and uh, and yeah, we worked in Wayne's World too. Um, so I didn't know that the scene that took place at the police chief's house featured dialogue that came out of improv from Sidney Poitier and uh-huh. Rod Steiger. Yeah, like that's I didn't know that. Well, that speaks a lot to of improv. The, you know the the you know Norman Jewison allowing yeah. his actors to do improv. Right. I right. just, you know, in dramas, it's not as common as you hear on comedies and stuff yeah. like that. You know, you yeah. get a lot of more improv on comedies. and But dramas, 
Well, it's usually I remember scripted, you know. On stage, you know, in a, a play that um, there was like a, a time that was referred to but never seen in uh, in the play itself, we would do improv yeah. uh, to give ourselves more of a memory of that uh, event. Right. Um, and, you know, maybe they had, maybe they were doing that and uh, the director decided to put it in. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you never know. Um, according to, we were talking about how, how those three great movies made in one year. According to an interview that, that Sidney Portier gave, this was his favorite film that he ever did. Oh. In the Heat of the Night. Uh-huh. So. Well, it's uh, a great one. It is a great one. So we've got a great recommendation. He's got a lot he actor. can point to, you know. He does. Uh, Lilies of the Field and, and oh, yeah. uh, you know, guess who's, well, um, I like, I think better, um. Uh, to serve with love. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a great one. Guess who's coming to dinner? We found out was B.J. Wexler's favorite movie right. of all time. Uh-huh. Uh, when we his do, favorite movie. His favorite movie of all time was Guess yeah. Who's Coming to Dinner, 1967. Yeah. Um. So there's a great scene in here where Tibbs, um, and uh, and uh, Larry Gates' character who I've right. been blank now on Endicott. Endicott. Um, character Endicott. And uh, they slap each other. Yeah. Very and famous scene. Very, very famous scene. Very controversial. <laughs> yes. And um, apparently that was not in the original script or in the book. Right. Um, and uh, that Portier, Sidney Portier insisted that they slap each other. Yeah. And uh, like wanted a guarantee that it would make this, the scene would make it into the film. Yeah. And I guess got that from Norman Jewison and everything. So it was, yeah, it was so such a touchy thing that uh, you know the black man slapping a white man. Right. That he had to get a guarantee. Yeah. I mean, again, speaks to the to the era. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, another thing that speaks to it is the distributors hesitated to release this movie in the South. Yeah. Um, they were worried about you know violence and outrage and, and all kinds of stuff. And luckily they did release it in the South and there was no problems. Right. It wasn't, um, you know, a lot of times the, the uh, theater owners would not um, show yeah. something like that. Uh, yeah. But the times were changing right. too. Uh, there was one place that it was banned though, uh, South Africa. South Africa. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Well, they would not, they would not play it. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know enough of South African history that what was exactly going on there, but I know it was the same kind of apartheid. thing. Apartheid. Oh, yeah. Apartheid yeah. Was and maybe a little worse. Maybe a little worse, yeah. Uh, they wouldn't play any of Sidney Poitier's films. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. One of the greatest actors of all time. Uh-huh. You don't play his films. Um, so uh, there's a couple of little funny music bits in this movie. Um, oh, yeah. So... Norman Jewison um, originally wanted to use the song Little, R- Little Red Riding Hood by Sam the Sham, Sam, Sam Sham and, and the, the Pharaohs, Pharaohs. Uh-huh. Um, but could not license that song. So I had to look up that song. I was like, Sam Why? the Sham, that's, a, that's an incredible name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, You've heard the song. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I had to look it up to make sure. Uh-huh. I, had to, I had to research it to make sure I knew what I was talking about. Yeah, is this the right one? Uh, yeah, I was like, right. wait a minute, is that? But um, then why? Why would uh, the record, because it's the record company. It's not Sam the, Sh- right. the Sham that's making that decision. Oh, right, of course. It's like BMI or Capital or somebody. Yeah. Um, was it the controversy 
that kept them yeah. from licensing, the, saying we don't want this song in that film. Right. Well, they were they were up in a, for whatever reason they were unable to get it, and so yeah. they used a very similar sounding "Foul Owl on the Prowl." <laughs> Every bit as colorful as <laughs> yeah. Sam the Sham, right? But it was it was produced by Quincy Jones. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So well, was, uh, so um, Sydney just picks up the phone and calls Quincy, <laughs> Quincy and Jones. says, "Hey, won't you uh, oh, hey, make we, a?" We're trying to get this song. Yeah. Couldn't get it. Sam the Sham is a sham. Uh-huh. And uh, no, again, yeah, it wasn't his decision. I'm sure Sam the Sham would have been more than happy to have his music. In sure. any film. Oh, yeah. Who wouldn't? Well, and, and you know, royalties, hello. Exactly. Uh, this film is playing, what, uh, how many years now? 60, oh, my goodness. So it's, yeah, oh, in 60 years Yeah. Uh, of royalties that every time it played on television or got a re-release in the theaters, that oh, yeah. you would hit Sam would have gotten a check. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean... And he won't now. VHS can't afford that. Re-released on DVD. Re-released on Laserdisc. Yeah. (laughs) Re-released on (laughs) Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hologram. (laughs) Would have gotten money every time, Sam. (laughs) So, um, uh, so we were talking about all the race relations stuff. Warren Oates and Lee Grant um, are among a group of actors and actresses who play a lot of racist roles. Yeah. Um, but were in fact themselves very upfront and vocal in support of the civil rights movement. Uh-huh. Um, so they, yeah, kind of like, I imagine that was a hard, you know, yeah. s- story to tell, you know, or whatever, like, oh, I'm constantly playing racist, yeah. but I'm but actually I'm not, very pro-civil right. rights movement. I'm not, uh, you know, a racist, I, believe me. <laughs> believe I'm me, trust actor, me. I'm an actor, I play roles, <laughs> you know. I'm just that good of an actor. That and you, there was a lot of that, you know, a lot oh, of those... Yeah. Um, Shelley Winters the, apparently yeah. is one of those. William Shatner, uh-huh. um, several people that were included in that list of oh yeah of people who were famous for their racist roles, but were mm-hmm. actually in the forefront of helping out the civil rights movement. Oh yeah, there were many many um, actors that uh, I mean Charlton Heston uh, walked a picket line in front of Bishop's uh, Steakhouse here in Oklahoma City. Yeah, and that was in like '63. Right. Long before the sit-ins uh, in Green, uh, uh, Greenville, North Carolina. Right. Um, Tony Curtis was on a picket line. Yeah. Um, here in town, too. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's one of the, speaking of that, Clara Looper, one of the greatest people I've ever met and worked with. Uh-huh. And uh, and uh, she was heavily involved in that, as you know, and everything. Oh, and, yeah. And kind of the organizer. The, I was going to say the organizer, the one who led it. Uh-huh. And uh, got to induct her into the Oklahoma Hall of Fame several years ago, and uh-huh. with her a little bit. That was awesome. She taught at my high school. Really? She taught art at John Marshall High School. That's cool. Yeah. Did you have her? Uh, no, uh-huh. I had a different art teacher. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fine. I uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He he got us into lots of competitions and, and yeah. Stuff. yeah. I was never in art. I can't draw to save my life. Yeah, can't paint, can't do nothing. I can I can play music. Yeah, but uh, performing arts. You still arts, play music, and I haven't drawn, I haven't painted in a few years. Now. I do. I play music all the time. Um, Bo Richards mm-hmm. is in this movie. Oh, that guy. Uh, that guy. Um, no, 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 no. That lady. Oh. Um, played. Bo. 
boat. She played the abortionist mama, Kaliba. Okay. Um, also played the mother of Sidney Poitier's character in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner that same year. Two very different Two characters. Two very different characters. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting that, you know, he did these three movies all in one year and she was uh-huh. in two of them with him. Because she's, re- you know, this very sophisticated lady in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Yes. And in this, yeah, it's not so sophisticated. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I didn't know that this was Norman Jewison's o- only Best Picture win. Uh-huh. Uh, that's the only, only one he ever won. Yeah. I know and he's nominated won. for several. Yeah. But this is the only one he ever won. But Best Picture, 1967. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It won in 68. Oh, okay. But it was released okay. in 67. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I had no idea. I just, you know, he's such an iconic director. I just assumed he probably had a couple right. under his belt, but this is the only one. Yeah, Jesus um, Christ Superstar did, did not win. Uh, <laughs> did not win. Um, and then the other thing I did not know about this movie until we started researching for it, I didn't know there was a sequel. There I didn't is? Know, there is. They call me Mr. Tibbs, 1970. Oh, that's right, yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah I, I yeah. had no idea. Because the Tibbs never heard of he it. is not married in, in the in, – uh, in the heat of the night, right? But in uh, the sequel, Mr. Tibbs, yeah. the sequel, he's married and apparently has been for several years, right? So. Yeah, I mean, it takes like it was shot in '70, but I think it takes place even later than yeah. that. But uh, and the famous line in this, of course, we didn't, we haven't spoken about that. The the fam- the famous line from this, they call me, they Mr. Call Tibbs. me Mr. Tibbs, right? Number yep. what, 16? Voted number 16 of the greatest iconic lines of all time by the American Film Institute. Uh-huh. How do you rate that stuff? That's so Oh, crazy. I don't know. And it's what's number subjective. one? Um, I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back, yeah. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, Freeze, gopher. <laughs> <laughs> that's my number one. That's the best. Um, so... We talked about best winner, best Oscar winner. It beat out a lot of great movies. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? We talked about that one a little bit. Cool Hand Luke, uh-huh. great movie. Yeah. Thirty Dozen, great movie. Uh-huh. Bonnie and Clyde, great movie. All the, the same Graduate, movie. great. The Graduate, the yeah. Graduate, one of my favorite. Hello. I love Simon and Garfunkel. Uh-huh. Um, in Cold Blood, Doctor Doolittle, all in the same year, beat them all out. Wow, that's a that's a. That's a a great beat. year for film goers. It was, yeah, yeah. So, um, well, all right, man, we are out of time. Oh, time flies. Uh, time flies when you're talking well, about great movies. Hey, we want uh, to thank the um, the person that sent in the celebrity yes, photo this week. Yes, right? Karen Thompson uh, sent in a photo with Herman himself, Peter Herman, Noon, Peter Noon from Herman Her- Herman's Hermits. Herman's Hermits. Say that hard to say. Fast. Yeah. Um, who you said you got to actually see in concert oh, a few yeah. years back? Frontier City, uh, Frontier yeah. City, and I had a girlfriend just, that had tickets and wanted to go. You know, yeah. I'm like okay, <laughs> um, just put on another concert here, like last month. Oh, I that's think. right. Yeah, yeah. At, um, um, I did not go. A local casino, local casino in Hinton. That's right. <laughs> we cannot name that. Um, but yeah, um, great celebrity photo this week. Uh, tune in to see that. And uh, as always, tune in every Saturday night at 9. Um, if you have a celebrity photo you want to send in, you'll hear an address here in a second where you can send that in. Oh, at, the T-shirts. Oh, the T-shirt, yes. Yeah. We started something new. We've only been doing it a couple weeks. 
If you uh, send in a celebrity, celebrity photo that we use on the air, we will send you our very first OETA Movie Club t-shirt. And we're excited about this because... We are know, excited. We haven't nerds, had one but, before. <laughs> but yeah, we've never had one before. And we just celebrated our 35th anniversary. Right. And we've never had a t-shirt before. So, and it's um, cool. You know, it says movie, OETA Movie Club on it. And it's got the little popcorn uh, bucket with the yellow popcorn. Yeah, and, it's got a film reel. Uh, it's got yeah, uh-huh. it's got some really cool stuff and on it. And it says since 1988. When the yep yep when BJ Wexler started it all February of eight, uh, uh-huh. 88. And uh, yeah, I mean it's a really cool T-shirt. So send in those celebrity photos. If we use it on the air, we'll send you a T-shirt. Uh, in your size. In your size. Any size you pick. And start including that, you know, when you send yeah. in these emails and letters of celebrity photos, start inc- including your T-shirt size that you'd like. And um, along with a little uh, story of how you met the, yes. uh, where, when, and why you met this celebrity. Yes, you know. yes please include a story. That always, <laughs> that always helps. It's so hard when you get a photo that says, me and yeah. Charlton Heston yeah. in... This doesn't say where or when. In the 80s. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like <laughs> I'm going to make up a story about this. Exactly. Just make up. So if you don't have a story, <laughs> I'll make just one make up one you. up for us. Come on. <laughs> um, be inventive. Come on. Uh, yeah. No, but yeah, so please send in those. Um, you'll hear the address here in a minute. And uh, next week, um, we've got another great movie to talk about, The Apartment, Jack uh-huh. Lemmon and... And, yeah, uh, iconic classic. Yeah. Shirley MacLaine. Shirley MacLaine, thank you. And Fred McMurray on her name. is the bad guy. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, that's a great one. It's yeah. pretty pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really tragic, I <laughs> it think. It's kind of tragic. Yeah. yeah, it is kind of tragic. Um, but all right. Um, <laughs> but aside but from on that, that note, um, <laughs> we're going to say goodbye here and uh, tune in next week and tune in every Saturday night at 9. And until next time, take care. Bye-bye. Make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. You can preview all upcoming OETA Movie Club films at oeta.tv forward slash movie club. And please, send your celebrity photos to P.O. Box 14190, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma 73113, or you can email them to us at oeta.tv forward slash movie club. And of course, tune in every Saturday night at 9 and on Fridays at 11. We'll see you on the couch every weekend for a great movie, and fresh popcorn.